Hello and welcome to this all new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. I am producer and technical director Jack Rossiter Munley. And very quickly before we get into the episode, I just wanted to mention as always that Poetry Spoken Here is produced by Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated, a small digital production company making podcasts about poetry, literature, and cultural history. You can find out more about Poetry Spoken Here and all of the other Cardboard Box Productions podcasts at cardboardboxproductionsinc.com. And, most excitingly, Cardboard Box Productions also has a newsletter called Unboxed that you can subscribe to, and that's a great place to get more information about the poets and writers featured on Poetry Spoken Here, and the people, poems, and subjects featured on all of the other Cardboard Box shows. So again, that's the newsletter Unboxed that you can subscribe to from CardboardBoxProductionsInc.com. On with the show! I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is James Cruz. He's a fellow Vermonter, lives just about 10 or 15 miles up the road, and he is the editor of a wonderful new anthology, The Path to Kindness, Poems of Connection and Joy. And that's a follow-up to an anthology that was very well received called How to Love the World, Poems of my penmanship is terrible. Poems about loving the world. <laughs> <laughs> and James, one, another an interesting thing about James, besides living up the road, is he, he studied with Ted Kuzer at the U of Nebraska. And that's a tremendous, fortunate thing for him, I would say. And mm-hmm. uh, just, just wonderful, because Ted is such a, a great guy and a great poet. So uh, we're going to get into it here. And there are so many poets in here. This book is I, I, a lot of poetry, you'll tell us how many, and um, so, many, so much, so many directions to go. So I went with the thing of, well, what popped out at me? And mm-hmm. in our household, we have a concept that we use called household creativity. Mm. And interestingly, this poem has more than one thing in it, but it's a demonstration of household creativity. And then I looked and it happened to be written by James, which is good because we appreciate his anthologizing, but being a poet in his own right, we want to hear his poetry too. So what, what do you say, James? Why don't you do something about the pool? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, this poem is called The Pool. And I have to say, I wasn't even going to include this one, but um, my husband, who is you know a great advocate of my own work, he's like, no, you have to include this one too. Um, so I, I'm grateful that you responded to it, Charlie, and, and that he encouraged me to put this one in the book in the first place. And I think this poem is just about those moments that, you know, happen to us in childhood when we think our parents are, you know, being mean to us or, you know, like they do something and we're like, oh, that wasn't enough. And then later you realize like, wow, they, I wasn't nice enough to them actually, and um, what they were trying to do was really just, just loving and kind. And um, so this is called The Pool. Because he couldn't afford the kidney-shaped in-ground pool we all wanted. My father went out and bought a used galvanized pool whose rusted rim I refused to touch. As usual, he had a solution. 
He split a length of black rubber hose down the middle with his pocket knife, then stretched it over the rough sides inch by inch until no rust showed. Back then, I never thought such gestures were selfless, evidence of what we call unconditional love. But now I feel my small hands gripping soft rubber, and I see my father on the back porch, cigarette hanging from his smiling lips as he watches me lift myself out of the pool, flinging cold water from my goose-pimpled skin as if I'd been reborn again. It's so vivid. And, and his solution was such a beautiful example of household creativity, slitting the hose right. and putting it around the raggedy thing where you might might get cut. Somewhere you mentioned something about uh, the importance of small gestures. Yeah. And that yeah. also came to me with this poem, just this little piece of every day. Yeah. Well, it feels like small gestures are really all we have. You know, it's it's not usually the big things are the big so-called moments that we remember, you know, the graduations, the accomplishments. I think, you know, my, my father passed away now 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. And what I remember about him the most are just these small moments like this. And I started writing about this as a way to kind of start cataloging those moments that were coming back to me um, just through memory when, um, you know, kind of through the lens of looking back and in retrospect, I realized how loving and kind he really was and, and how, how little I appreciated it in the moment. And uh, so this was a great exercise. And I mean, honestly, I love your concept of household creativity. I think that's a really good way <laughs> of encouraging us all to like, well, what can we do to solve this solution instead of buying a brand new thing or throwing something away. And in this instance, this was the only option. You know, we didn't have the money really for this pool to begin with. Um, and so the only way he could fix it was using whatever was at hand. And, yeah. and I think that's so true in, in life in general, like the solution is right in front of us and, and it tends to be really small and simple. Yeah, if you can just get your head out of the uh, confines of, traditional thought or right. traditional perception yeah. that's great yeah exactly. anyway that one just really jumped out at me you know yeah. do, do you have a now, since i said like popped out yes do you have something in there yeah. that uh when it came in from whoever submitted it or you know you went oh my goodness you know i i included a lot of um classics and also just some new to me poets and poems and I usually don't ask people to submit poems, so I just kind of trust whatever comes across my desk and, and respond mm -hmm. to that. And, you know, it means leaving out some really good poets and poems, but just this nice, gentle poem really surprised me. This is by Joy Gaines Friedler, and it's just called Touch. And I think the fact that it came during the pandemic and it's about this idea of touch yeah. probably was, was really resonant to me at yeah. the time. So this is touch. A chickadee lands in your hand, its body a buoy. It grips your finger. You don't hold it. It holds you. It is a kiss, both hard and soft, both lip and bone. 
On your way about your life, at the mailbox or a stoplight, your body remembers those feathers, that touch, and others. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And birds are so light. Oh, they are. And chickadees will actually <laughs> land in your hand. You know, they're very, they're not so afraid of humans for whatever reason. And so you can train train them to feed from your hand, which is a beautiful thing. I have not ventured that far yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard that of that. Idea. You stand in the garden and hold the seeds and yeah. just hold out for a while. I've, I've heard yeah. that that does work. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like St. Francis, you know, calling, you go. calling the animals, <laughs> calling the birds, right? Perfect, yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing I noticed, and actually you had, a, this was a two-page spread. Uh, mm. There were a couple of poems that are sort of about a, a general attitude. And by, by the way, you re- the poems really flow. But every once in a while, I would read one and read the next one. I go, whoa, you were very slick. There are two poems on page 40 and 41. The Ode, which is about things that aren't done. And the next one by Donna Hilbert about, I put down my note as don't care about holidays. <laughs> and to right. me, those two things kind of, uh, to me, those two things go together. Yeah. You're, you're living the kind of life that you don't need to worry about a holiday. It's not right. to say holidays are terrible, but you know, if, if you're fortunate, you're living that kind of life, just as we're fortunate to live somewhere people come on vacation. That's right. Yeah. And I've always, always had that as a concept and I'm so glad I'm doing it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Always, yeah. You, know? you definitely want to live somewhere where people are on vacation and, and it does strike me. I think we all get caught up in our busy lives and our busy yeah. minds too, and distractions, but, you know, sometimes just walking the dirt roads here in Vermont and, looking at all the wildlife and all the natural beauty, the mossy stone walls. I just think like, man, just, I just want to pause and like appreciate this ordinary moment, this ordinary day and where I'm, where I'm living and how I'm living. So I, I totally resonate with that, Charlie. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, how about reading one of those poems? Absolutely. So I'll read this one. It's called Ode by Zoe Higgins, who is actually a New Zealand poet. And uh, I just came across her poem. This poet years ago started this uh, Poems in the Waiting Room project in New Zealand. And I happened to have one of my poems chosen and then came across her poem. And so she lives in, um, I believe, Wellington, New Zealand. So this is Ode. Here's to everything undone today. Laundry left damp in the machine, the relatives unrung, the kitchen drawer not sorted. Here's to jeans unpatched and buttons missing, the dirty dishes, the novel not yet started. To Christmas cards unsent in March, to emails marked unread, to friends unmet and deadlines unaddressed, to every item not crossed off the list, to everything still left, ignored, put off. It is enough. Yeah. I just love that so much. And, you know, it's just this idea that even like we can appreciate things that are unfinished because maybe it bought us a little bit of time to write a poem or, you know, do something else that we enjoy, uh, some self-care time. And um, so I, I think about that poem when I, 
when I don't answer all my emails or don't try to be that dutiful student, you know. Well, there's there's another subversive idea that I often flash on is uh, trying to make things perfect will drive you crazy. And, And accepting the little imperfections, you know, that that whatever it is, that's a little off. If you leave it alone, it'll probably still be okay 10 years from now. It'll just be a little off, whatever it is. Of course, I'm not a handyman, so I'm good at that. (laughs) But, you know, that kind of idea. So you get that general life at, as you said, as you said, walking down the, you know, walking down a country road and stopping to, that's kind of an attitude, a kind of a life attitude of, of, of what matters and you may or may yeah. if you're lucky you're not even being conscious when you do that you just do it but yeah exactly but, but it's yeah. something to to cultivate uh as yeah. a way of life yeah that's right yeah and i i'm glad that you're flashing on the idea of just leaving things imperfect because you know i can't tell you how many people i've encountered whether it's through like a meditation practice or a writing practice they get really discouraged and they, because they start judging their work, they think it's imperfect. They compare it to other people's and, and they lose that kind of self-kindness piece that we really need as artists and creators um, to just like, you know, maybe it's enough if you write something, even a journal entry that really pleases you or that really helped you. And that's kind of why I wanted to include the reflective pauses and prompts throughout the book too. So just encourage people to like slow down and just write something that brings you some joy without going into the like capitalist productive mindset. Like (laughs) this has to be published tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just so poisonous. I think. Definitely. How, how did you get started? Did you have a book idea and always think it would be a good idea for this kind of book to exist? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think these these books tend to happen really organically. So I did publish my very first anthology back in 2019. It was called Healing the Divide, also Poems of Kindness. And um, that was with a, a smaller press here in Vermont, Green Writers Press. And I think just the response to that book, um, hmm. which I thought would sell, you know, a few hundred copies, and, you know, maybe I'd use it in my classes that I teach. Um, the larger response really surprised me. And so I thought like, well, well, maybe this is a vein that I could pursue. Like, you know, I, um, I seem to have a talent for finding poems that, that uplift people and that they can understand. And part of that is my training, working with Ted Kuzer on his American Life and Poetry column, because yeah. he's all about accessible poetry, poetry that appeals to a mainstream audience. And, um, you know, it was really right before the pandemic that the seed for the last anthology which was How to Love the World, Poems of Gratitude and Hope, that was planted actually when my husband and I were traveling in Argentina. Mm. And, um, you know, I just realized like that people were friendly, they were joyful, hopeful, grateful. And I'm like, what is happening in our country that we're we're not feeling that way? You know, we're not kind of in touch Mm. with those things. And so I really decided to kind of pursue that and uh, was lucky enough that story publishing took a chance on that anthology and many people supported it. And so it's kind of becoming a little series that I'm hoping to continue. Great. Yeah. Super. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and they are real poems. 
They're yeah. not sappy, which right. is, which I know you know is the danger of dealing with this kind of subject matter. Yeah. If you get it wrong, it's like, uh, yeah. but you got it right. But you know, real poetry. So that's not a not a problem. Yeah, I, I don't want anything point. to feel. I don't want anything to feel sappy or saccharine. Yeah. So I appreciate you picking up on that. And, and it's a delicate balance. You know, there, there are some yeah. that like feel like they ride that line a little bit. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you feel that way, Charlie. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the people who are picking up the book feel that way. <laughs> See the impression so, I'm getting, you know? Yeah. Oh, here's one for you. You, you teach seminars and, you know, workshops and things like that. I always like to ask people, what's, what's one of your big takeaways you want people to have from a session with you about mm. writing poetry? You know, what, what would you yeah. really hope they'll do? Yeah, well, you know, I think the biggest thing um, is, is kind of similar to what I hope people will walk away from the path to kindness and, and the other anthologies. Like, you know, a lot of people say to me, even like young student, university students that I sometimes work with, they're like, you know, I didn't think I liked poetry, or I didn't think I would uh. like this book, or I thought I knew what poetry was. And it's really not that, you know, that it can be about everyday experience, that it can be about beautiful, uplifting things and really sorrowful things. It can yeah. be about grief and beauty in the same moment, even. Um, so I would hope that they would walk away feeling encouraged, feeling hopeful, and really more deeply in touch with themselves. You know, I think like you, I practice poetry and writing as more of like a mindfulness and meditative practice. And so my hope is that people kind of can use poetry as a part of their own spiritual practice. Um, you know, in the case of this book, it's like maybe part of a kindness or compassion practice, yeah. um, but in a larger way that um, they can use writing of any kind as a way to just slow down, meditate, and, and really re-enter life with, you know, kind of recharged and maybe a little more protected from the negativity that's always coming at us these days. Yeah. My poetry therapy friends all be delighted to hear what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, yes, poetry is good for you and can be uplifting and you don't have to get it in the New Yorker. Don't worry about it. You really Just don't. Whatever you want to do, you know? Yeah. And, and in yeah. fact, we, I'm sure you would go along with saying, and if, you, if the idea of writing poetry is intimidating, then just write. Yeah. And don't worry about what you call it. Yeah. Oh, it could be called journaling, but anyway, <laughs> you know, the same idea. Yeah. I, I think poetry has an advantage, though, because if you're really trying to do a poem, not even for publication, just you want to do a poem that satisfies you, you will think about the precision of what you're saying, and that will help you figure out what you want to say. So yeah. I think writing it as a poem is a little bit of an advantage over just writing it, or writing it as a journal. Yeah. So journaling is certainly good for everybody, no question. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like poetry kind of hones our attention more. And we know that we, you know, there can be longer epic poems, but sure. typically poetry has a smaller canvas. And so you have to work a little mm -hmm. harder to fit everything onto that canvas and, and into those words. And, 
you know, someone that I, I was talking to recently, he focused on the poem Mercy in this book by Rudy Francisco. And he said, you know, this poem really stayed with me. And he had counted the words. He's like, it's only 67 words. <laughs> like I carry this poem with me for days. And um, so I think just that attention to detail and really wanting to get it yeah. right, you're, you're absolutely right. It really helps focus the mind. And I think it helps us clarify things for ourselves yeah. too. Now, also, you know, um, everything is not upbeat. There's a, a very nice poem in here about uh, responding to grief. I noted that one too, because that was, well, just on the idea that everything in here isn't all hearts and flowers and positive. It mentions yeah. the other parts of, of life. Mm -hmm. uh, 151. Yeah. One, yeah. Mm -hmm. When you meet someone in deep grief, deep in grief. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want me to read this one? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So this <laughs> is guess. by, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're here for, right? <laughs> so this is by Patricia McKernan Runkle. When you meet someone deep in grief, slip off your needs and set them by the door. Enter barefoot this darkened chapel, hollowed by loss, hallowed by sorrow, its gray stone walls and floor. You, congregation of one, are here to listen, not to sing. Kneel in the back pew, make no sound, let the candles speak. Yeah, that's just lovely. Yeah. The whole mood is so consistent. Yeah, and I think it's important, you know, it's really useful actually advice if you follow the advice in the poem is when you know someone is deep in grief, just show up with them and um, let there be quiet. Let, let yourself just listen and receive whatever they have to share and not shut down to that, you know, just be, be that listening presence for someone else. And I think it is a form of kindness, the, the ways that we can show up Definitely. with each other. Yeah. Well, you leave your needs at the door. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And also we, we usually show up for people with a need to fix things. Like I need you to be okay. So I feel safe. So I can get my needs met if, if it's like a spouse or a loved one. And she's saying like, first line, you know, leave your needs at the door, slip them off. Yeah. Yeah. Folks listening here, you know, we're talking to James Cruz about his book, The Path of Kindness. And you are noticing, I imagine by now, that there's actually a lot of interesting uh, suggestions for life in the book, whether it's like this poem, which actually comes right out and says it, or other poems that describe how someone is doing something, how someone is uh, leaving imperfections or, or whatever, uh, living, generally living and attending to life, trying to be mindful as we'd all like to do more of. We've got a little bit more time. Do you have one more you would like to read? Yeah. Just we'd like this... to get it in there, whatever <laughs> it is. Yeah. So let's see here, just finding it. Um, maybe I'll share this one by Cornelius Edie. It's called A Small Moment. And um, this is just about little moments of aliveness that I think can find us by accident. Mm. So a small moment. I walk into the bakery next door to my apartment. They are about to pull some sort of toast with cheese from the oven 
When I ask, what's that smell? I am being a poet. I am asking what everyone else in the shop wanted to ask, but somehow couldn't. I am speaking on behalf of two other customers who want to buy the name of it. I ask the woman behind the counter for a percentage of her sale. Am I flirting? Am I happy because the days are longer? Here's what she does. She takes her time choosing the slices. I am picking out the good ones, she tells me. It's April 14th, spring, with five to 10 degrees to go. Some days I feel my duty. Some days I love my work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is a really good poem. <laughs> well, James, this has been really great. So yeah. glad we could do this and time it, with, time it with the release of the book. I want to mention, folks, also, uh, if you would like to receive a weekly poem and prompt and perhaps other mailings, you can just go to jamescruz.net. Mention that cruise is spelled C-R-E-W-S, that kind of cruise, and learn more about him. So it's been great and uh, lots of luck with the book. Well, thank you so much, Charlie. Thanks for your attention. And, and it's been my pleasure. All right, folks, you've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm your host, Charlie Rossiter. Our guest today, James Cruz. And you should be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. Yeah.